What is going on you guys and welcome back to another video. Good morning. We're gonna be reviewing a bunch of books that I've read over the past year and hopefully giving you guys some good suggestions. I actually got this comment over on Instagram which you know, was really touching to me. It made me feel really good. He said, hey Brennan, I started the habit of reading after seeing your video on favorite books last year. Last year alone I read 20 books and I'll read more this year. Thank you for that. Keep posting some good suggestions. And this is the message that inspired me to do this updated book review because you know it's obviously awesome on the channel when I'm able to help share with you guys my stock market research, uh, what I'm doing with my investments. I know a lot of you guys always comment, don't you know, help me with the TFSA. Thank you for this, thank you for this. But it's really cool for me to be able to inspire maybe some other, a smaller group of you guys in other areas. Reading has been such a big impact on my life. I read every single night. I really do enjoy it and I as well aim to read a lot this year. But these are some of the books that I read over the past year. No particular order. I'll give some little cliff notes if I can recall. It's kind of hard thinking back to be honest. When you read a book, you just know either it's good or bad, but it's hard to remember each and every one. So I might even look up some notes. My current read actually I don't have with me, but I just started the Steve Jobs book. This is one that I would recommend. I'm only about a quarter of the way in on that book, but I'm already learning so much about Steve Jobs' character and what type of person this was for the good and the bad. You know, obviously this is someone who's grown one of the most successful companies of all time. Very cool to see that inception starting from like literally their garage, like selling their first Apple, uh, you know, computers or, or PCs to where it is today. But what's more fascinating to me is actually learning more about the person himself and how his personality actually was m very much a schmuck, you know, like very much a, many people would say of a, a bad guy, not the type of person you'd want to be around. He was very rude and unkind to many of the people in his life, especially how he used to treat his employees and his friends. I learned that a lot of this stemmed from him being adopted, right? He was adopted, given up at birth, and a lot of that, you know, mental and, uh, I guess what drove him at the end of the day, as with a lot of things, is, is that is that trauma from from birth, right? The need to to succeed or to prove a point, uh, that obviously got taken to crazy levels. But nevertheless, very fascinating book. I won't speak too much on that because again, I'm just getting into it. But um, yeah, I'll start with this one here. This is actually my favorite book on the list. It's called Why Fish Don't Exist. So different uh, title, uh, definitely a catching title. I really like the 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 book cover. There's literally a fish on it right here. And uh, it says here, a story about lost love and hidden order of life. National bestseller. And I believe I got this book when I was in Portland or maybe it was Seattle, but there was this old bookstore, which was a blast to go in. I think it was called Brooks Bookstore or something. If you guys know what I'm talking about, it was such a cool place. Like they had literally every single book you could imagine. It was massive if you're ever in that area. But this was just on the shelf as one of the like all time bestsellers. And I'm like, let's give it a go. I'm very, very glad I did. This book is very hard to categorize in terms of what it's about. In my opinion, there is some um, science. It's kind of like a science book. Uh, there's religion baked in, there's psychology, all sorts of stuff. And it's not a long read. You could get through this in really a couple of uh, days, uh, a very short, easy read, but it's just takes you for all sorts of loops. And if there was one book that you guys were like, I just want to read, I want to try something. I would say, give this a try. And let me know down in the comment section below. Um, what you think. One of the fun takeaways I got from this book is if I were to pop up a salmon, a lungfish, which is just some sort of fish, but a weird looking fish, but a fish you'd find down in the sea, and then a cow, and you had these three animals, and we were saying which one of these is the odd one out, or which one, you know, doesn't belong in this grouping, or another way we could spin it is which two are more closely correlated. I think I speak for most people watching this, you'd obviously go as far as saying the cow and this book talks about why that's actually incorrect. 
So the answer to that is the salmon. And uh, without spoiling it, there's a really, really um, fun answer to it. Uh, and again, that's just like one, literally one or two pages in the book. The book is about so much more than that, but that's one that stuck out to me. The salmon is the odd one out. And uh, this book will explain why and why fish as a category actually don't exist. Basically, if I had to put a theme to this book, it talks about a taxonomist, I believe it's called a taxonomist or taxologist, basically someone that goes out and, and, and finds new species and new, uh, yeah, new species. They go discover new species of things. It follows this guy, you know, way back when, and he's essentially trying to put uh, order within life. Like he's trying to categorize and, and, and provide structure and order in life. And this book is about how life in and of itself is, is really far, it kind of has its own natural order. And there's a lot of chaos to life in terms of losing our loved ones and in terms of what, our, what the world has planned for us. And uh, this guy learns the hard way that the world has its way of doing things. And that's really what this book was to me. Again, I absolutely butchered that up because it is a very complex book to, to talk about. But if, uh, if I did have one suggestion, it's that one. Fish, why fish don't exist. Number two, I guess I could have started with this one, but Tim Cook. This would be a good book, uh, kind of as a follow-up to the Steve Jobs book, if he did go for that. Definitely not as exciting as a character as uh, Steve Jobs. But the title here says, Tim Cook, the genius who took Apple to the next level. And that's actually exactly what he did. So this book goes into Tim Cook, uh, his way of managing a business. And you know, Steve Jobs is very much this visionary, right? A lot of companies, when they're a founder or somebody that's starting the company, they're these visionaries, they're these crazy thinking people, and they're able to, to you know, make that a reality. And when you have companies that then, you know, those founders often move on or there's a successor that takes over, Tim Cook is a very different type of personality type than Steve Jobs. This is very much what I would consider an operator. Tim Cook comes from an operations background. And we've seen this with other CEOs as well where they really know how to run a business. Like they know how to make a business efficient and they know how to basically break it down to like a a true you know, like running engine and machine. And uh, that's what I took a lot out of this book. Again, not as fascinating of a, of a person as, as uh, Steve Jobs, but still, obviously Tim Cook seems like a really nice guy, seems like a guy that you'd like. Um, I like Tim Cook, Tim Apple as they call him. But uh, yeah, this was a good book uh, nonetheless. Next up, I will cover uh, two books here actually. I'm just gonna move it to this. We can go uh, to these two actually, which I do think kind of go in tandem. Even this third book might even play in a role. These two books are The Lean Startup and The Secrets of Sand Hill Rose. And as you guys know, one of the new areas that I got into this past year was angel investing or like venture capital, right? Whatever you want to call it, not venture capital. It's not, uh, I'm not a VC fund with, you know, millions and billions of dollars, but I did do a slight bit of angel investing in one of uh, the projects. Uh, that I'm now working on. And I thought I should definitely educate myself on this space because this is somebody, me, who's never, ever, ever dove into this. And I was very much on the outside looking in. I found it quite complex and confusing. This book, The Secrets of Sand Hill Rose, Road, is a perfect book for the, the beginner who has never thought about uh, venture capital, doesn't know how it works, but wants to understand. It basically talks about like what a venture capital fund is looking for, you know, when someone's pitching them and say, Hey, this is my business. What are they looking for in terms of growth, in terms of the people, how these venture funds operate in terms of their, the math that they run off, you know, the venture capital space is really fascinating. It's fascinating. Unlike how we invest on the channel. Like if you and I were building up our portfolios and we're looking for investments, Oh, TD bank, Oh, Nike, whatever it is that fits into the portfolio, you know, a, a stock market investor very much 
you know, wants to buy that that reliable investment. They're trying to build up a portfolio of 20 different stocks that are gonna help you know truck them along to their retirement, right? Very safe and steady. The way a venture capital fund operates is literally the exact opposite of that. Their mindset, and I forget the exact math, but I'll pop it up on the screen. They come in with the mindset that like, let's say they're gonna make 20 bets. They're gonna invest in 20 different startups and they're gonna put 500,000 or 100,000 or a million or whatever it is. Maybe it's very early stage and it's 100,000. They come in with the expectation that, you know, of those 20 different investments, 18, you know, 16 to 18 of them are gonna go bust. Like, hey, we lose all of our money. They don't want to have these mediocre returns and oh, this one kind of broke even, they did this, they did this, oh, this one did pretty good. It's like, they are shooting for home runs and of that 20 different investments that they plop money into, they're banking on maybe one, two, three of those hitting it big, right? Becoming a, a unicorn, going a, a thousand X, whatever the case is. These venture capital funds, in order to stand out amongst each other, in order to help them make a name, therefore being able to attract more money and get that kind of flywheel going, being a mediocre returner actually doesn't cut it. You know, they're looking for those Airbnbs, those Ubers, those ones that have the chance to just drastically prop up a portfolio. And that's very fascinating if you're on the other end of this, if you're a business, if you're a startup, you know, you have to know how to entice them. You have to know and be able to pr pr prove, hey, this is the opportunity we're going after and nevertheless, uh, although the book doesn't look very beginner friendly, extremely, extremely beginner friendly and a great introduction into uh, the VC world if that's something you're interested in. Next up is a book that complements that very well and it is called The Lean Startup. This book is really, really good as well. I wish I read this book freaking five years ago because it would have helped me out so much. I would have saved a lot of time and a lot of money had I read this book. And this isn't just for people that are into startups. If you have some sort of business, um, if you're doing side hustles, if you're making money in some sort, even if you work for a big business, this book is extremely valuable because it talks about the methodology of how to properly create something. And many companies in the world do it very, very wrong, even on the highest scale. Like even these huge multi-billion dollar corporations, they don't do this properly because they don't adopt the, the lean startup methodology and mindset. What happens is, uh, and like I said, this has happened to me like many, many times over the years, is you have this idea in your head and you're like, I'm gonna build this, this product or this new division of my company or this new app or whatever it is. And it's like, I think this is gonna be great. It's such and such a solution. You lock yourself up in a basement, uh, not basement, but you go into your room, you start writing a bunch of code, you do whatever you need to do. You spend months and months and months, often a lot of money trying to get this app or project perfect. And especially if you're a perfectionist, like with the visuals and stuff, oh, website has to be perfect. Then the marketing has to be this. You go to launch it, it hits the app store, and then it's like an absolute dud. It just absolutely flops and doesn't resonate with you know the audience that you were trying to get this out to. And that happens so much. And that's because we aren't adopting a lean startup mindset. Instead, what this book talks about is, is rather than you know building a product that people may not want, you can implement a system a lean system to gather actual data and actual feedback from your customers, from your users, and then you know get that back into the product, like a flywheel. There's basically a, a an innovation loop that you get going where you can test, get data, factor that back in, test again. In the startup world, you hear like a minimal viable product, right, an MVP. If you are trying to test a thesis or test something, a hypothesis that you have, it doesn't have to be picture perfect. It doesn't have to have all the graphics. It doesn't have to be bugless. It doesn't have to be, in your mind, like perfect. 
which is a thing that a lot of business people struggle with. Instead, it should be the exact opposite. It should be like the bare freaking minimum that it tests your hypothesis. And if it works, if people are like, yeah, you know, I am gonna buy this even though it's not perfect, or hey, this needs to be changed, this needs to be changed, then, you know, rather than spending literally six months building something that nobody even wanted in the first place, after a week, like after literally a week or two, you've got this thing out in the market and then you can implement and, and, and improve on that and you keep doing this. And over six months, you've then built a product that you know hits well with, with the end customer. That's really my takeaway with this. And like I said, I've freaking done like the opposite for years um, in my academy as an example, right? I always have these ideas. Hey, the students are gonna love this and I'm gonna launch this new part of the thing and I spend a lot of time designing and crafting, uh, you know, like crafting these things up just to find out that, hey, maybe there wasn't as much interest as I would have thought and a bare bones model that I could have put out in literally a few days or a week would have given me that feedback and that data that I could have used to either improve or to scrap the project. Uh, nevertheless, great one there. One more that I will throw out, good fun read too, The Hard Thing About Hard Things uh, by Ben Horowitz. Again, another big, big name in the uh, venture capital space. Not gonna dive too much into this one because it is more complex. Even for me, like this book talks about, you know, the hard thing about hard things, building a business when there are no easy answers. And it's those those situations that you find yourselves in over the years where it's just, there may not be a, a black and white answer, right? Like for example, some of the ones I recall is like when you need to fire uh, someone as part of your executive team, right? Like one of your core people or, or, or somebody that's maybe a, a very critical part of a company. You know, questions like that, which again, at my point in, in life, I hope to one day be somewhere where these come back and um, are valuable but I'm not quite there yet. So definitely there was a lot of parts where I just kind of like skimmed over and I was like, oh, it's a little advanced, but clearly, you know, this guy's seen it all when it comes to, you know, businesses and companies that are, are, are growing and thriving and how the ins and outs function. Really good book if you are um, maybe into that, uh, maybe a little bit more advanced, but that's a good one. Um, I do really like reading novels as well. So. You'll notice from here, first of all, none of these are investment books, right? If you were hoping for stock market books, I've done a lot of videos in the past on my favorite stock market books, and I don't need to go over those again. These books, I don't think there's a single stock market one on there. They're all related, you know? These two, for an example, I mean, we'll talk about the Elon Musk book and Tesla in a moment, uh, the Google, the four book, which I have here as well. Well, obviously that's like, I, I consider these stock related because it's about the stocks that I own, but I do very much like sprinkling in novels as well. I think I can get so lost in a novel. They're so easy to read on like a more technical book. This is a book called Concrete Rose, which again, I just found on the bestsellers list and uh, got it. It's basically based on, I think this movie about, um, you know, the African-Americans basically like, uh, there's a movie about this. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Right here, the best-selling author of the, the Hate That You Give. And I haven't seen that movie, but it's basically about how black people are just treated so unfairly by the cops, I believe and how they're at such a disadvantage in our society and how, um, you know, growing up in a tough neighborhood with a tough environment just really like sets your life back or so much harder than, than many other people. That's probably wrong what I'm saying, but I'm just trying to kind of assume what that movie's about just from the trailers that I've seen. But what I really liked about this book is it's such a fun, easy read. It's written in uh, basically, well, there's the author actually. It's written by, in like slang. And, and I found I found that really cool. It's like written in like gangster slang uh, and by, uh, you know, following a younger person. And I believe it follows a younger girl 
who ends up getting pregnant uh, at a young age, you know, I think in high school with uh, within a black community. And then there's obviously all the complications that go with that. Are they gonna have the baby, uh, money issues, family issues. And like, what I remember of this book is, it's literally written in like slang. Like I wish I could read uh, like, uh, apart from you guys, like, yo, you know, like, cool. If you're into that kind of thing, if you kind of like the street, the street feel, if you kind of like learn about gangs and like, you know, following along with that stuff, you will enjoy this book. And I very much liked it. Um, definitely a feminine book, if you will, but really, really good. Uh, that's the book Concrete Rose. The next novel, and I think the last novel I have here on this book is uh, called Between Two Kingdoms. Another feminine book. You know, when I'm reading novels, I actually tend to like the feminine books. I don't know why that's the case. You know, I just I just do. Um, my wife kind of laughs at me when I'm picking books. I'm like picking books that like she would like. And hey, that's just, I just enjoy reading them. This one I do think is feminine as well. This basically follows a, a girl, again, who is diagnosed with leukemia. I believe it is very early on in life, like literally at, in her early days. Um, as a kid, she's always itchy and she has all these skin skin issues and whatnot. And it goes on to literally follow her life through these treatment processes, you know, going through chemotherapy and all the struggles and challenges that she's dealing with, you know, going to school and and like, yeah, it's, it's very, very good. Uh, all of these books are very, very good in my opinion, hence why I'm talking about them here. But she goes on to essentially, you know, go through a, a journey. Like I think she takes her van and she drives across uh, the, the West Coast or she drives across um, the United States of America. It's just a really cool book for seeing the insight uh, of somebody that's going through a very challenging time like this. And you know, books like this actually just make me very grateful. It reminds you that like, man, some people just in life got dealt a bad card. It sucks. And even these people, if they're able to find the positive in the in the world and they're able to spin things uh, in a in a good way, you know, I remember reading this book coming out like as, as as sad as it is, like a sad book, it's actually equally as inspiring to be like, hey man, we all have it all pretty good out here. But uh, yeah. Really nice book uh, that I would again suggest if you have a uh, interest in in leukemia. Um, I hope it's leukemia. I'm probably saying it wrong, but it, yeah, I think it was leukemia. And uh, you know, health related issues or anything like that. This is a really really good novel. A couple ones to finish off with here. I guess this technically you could argue is a novel. I don't know. Um, Shoe Dog. I re I reviewed this in my last book. This is my all time favorite book, and I just finished reading this literally last week. Uh, for the second time. So I had gone, you know, I read it a long time ago, a few years ago, read it again, and it was very much like new to me. A lot of the stuff I, you know, I recalled, but I did not remember the book as well as I did. And I just love going back and revisiting this, this story. I'm finally a shareholder of Nike, which I'm proud to say. I love Nike, like all I wear is Nike. I'm wearing Nike like pants right now. I wear Nike pretty much every single day. And to see this company's history, like, Literally starting from the dude, you know, shilling shoes, uh, you know, out of his out of his garage again, not his garage, but his basement, and selling those first pair of shoes. Uh, a lot of history on on Oregon and Portland and that running um, community and background. And then of course, like what I find is so cool is you know this this uh, Phil Knight, you know, talks about all of his big journeys where he goes over to to Japan. Um, and, and Taiwan to go source, you know, the, the factories and the manufacturers and all of the problems and legal stuff that happens. Uh, you know, these guys try to screw them over and try to cut them on contracts. And uh, yeah, it's just, I, I love these books, as you can tell, like, you know, I, I start reading these books, well, I guess you can't really tell from these ones, but like the books I'm very interested in right now are like these transformational um, businesses that have gone from, you know, nothing all the way to something. 
it's so cool to be able to see that and visualize, you know, when it's written well, you could just get lost in that. And if anyone has any drive for entrepreneurship, uh, business, whatever the case may be, um, and you're like a sports athlete, this is a absolute no brainer. Shoe Dog is an all time favorite. Last few books here. Let's talk about the Elon Musk book, okay? This book is really, really cool as well. I will warn you, after reading this book and learning about more about Elon Musk, you're gonna go wanna buy more Tesla stock. I don't know so much now because I read this a few months back before the whole um, you know, Twitter uh, fiasco, but I came out of this being like, this dude's a freaking genius and we need to go buy more of his stock, even though I, I don't own Tesla stock. But uh, I will warn you, if you read this, you will start thinking like that. But again, very cool to see the the insights behind this genius. Um, as with a lot of the people we talked about here, they're literally geniuses. If you've made it to that level of life, um, you are a genius. But to see how Elon Musk functions and is able to manage like literally, what is it now, three, four companies all at once? Tesla, SpaceX, um, Twitter now, I guess. And obviously he's got these other things like Neuralink that he's got his hands in and uh, even like uh, the boring, there's so many, there's so many. The dude's a legit maniac, a legit crazy, crazy guy. If you have an interest in um, Tesla's electric vehicles, you'll get a good, you know, good, uh, good out of this book. A lot of great insights into SpaceX as well and how that has just absolutely, you know, demolished anything else in the space, uh, especially these old government uh, NASA type boring type things. Very, very good book. Again, I guess I'm just kind of summarizing each book by saying very, very good book. Uh, again, it's hard to recall each and every one, but definitely a, a recommend there on the Elon Musk book. This one, I don't know if I reviewed in my last video, so I'll keep it short, but it's called The Four. And uh, I believe in this book, they go on to call these the, the four horsemen, right? So the Facebook, Googles, Amazons, and um, uh, Apples of our world. And uh, Microsoft, I believe, should be in here too, but they're not. Basically talking about how powerful these companies are and how much sway they have in our world. If you look at this book, like uh, what I find fun about these books is when they have these kind of like, you know, things and, and graphics to kind of support. But basically each, you know, there's a dive between each of the four companies and, and what made them so successful, what, uh, you know, what their story was and how they captured the audience. And then ultimately how these four companies have so much power and influence that they do really like, at the end of the day, dictate the world. They control all of our eyes. They control all of our thoughts. It's uh, scary, actually. You know, it, it has hit a tipping point where these companies control so much that it is scary. But it is, again, a very good read written by Scott Galloway, the four. And then last but not least, again, I don't remember too much about this book, but Bill Gates, uh, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. I did read this book with a great assault because it's basically talking about like climate change and our world and everything uh, that, um, you know, is going on with pollution and the, the ozone layer and how we as humans, our consumption is just literally screwed up the world. The reason I say I take this with a grain of salt is because throughout the book sprinkled in, Bill, Go Bill Gates, I believe, has a solution for this. So he's like, you know, this is so bad, da da da, which is why we need my green solution this. And he's sprinkling in the, the need and the, you know, the pain in our world and how he has this up and coming solution in a, a green solutions. I forget what it's called. What I remember from this book, I'll try to pop it up on the screen, was a breakdown. I just had a quick scan, I actually couldn't find it, but a breakdown of, you know, what contributes the most to our, uh, you know, pollution in our world and uh, to these, to this climate crisis. And you have obviously, like, you know, transportation, uh, which includes like, you know, your jet fuels burning and all these trucks moving across the globe and uh, boats and cruises. Uh, consumption was another big one, like these big factories making, uh, you know, rubber and plastic, right? For everything we, we, we do have, um, there's that. 
Um, obviously, I think automobiles was a big one. Um, natural gases. I wish I could find it here as I'm just scanning through, but I found that very, very fascinating. I think it's 51 billion tons of uh, pollution is, is put into our world uh, every year, I believe it is. And this book, of course, goes into why that is a problem and, 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 and the solutions, right? Uh, the solutions that, that could help. You know, the, the thing about this is like the solutions, from what I recall, they're not like great solutions, you know? They're, they're better solutions, but even if you look at something like uh, jet fuel, right? Like there are solutions for like cleaner jet fuel, right? You can get like green f jet fuel, if you will but it comes at such a cost, like such a premium. I believe the term they use is green premium, right? You're paying a green premium to do the right thing uh, and to, to put less pollutants into the air. In many cases, that's like, you know, if you ask a company that's doing, you know, millions and millions of dollars a month in, in jet fuel, and you could say, hey, you could pay, you know, two times that or three times that to get this cleaner one, of course they're gonna say no. And I think, you know, what I took out of this book is that's, that's really the problem. It's how can we get these solutions to be more affordable, um, more accessible, and just make it more of a, a standard for really the, the world. There are a lot of great uh, studies and charts and graphs in this book that will really help open your, open your mind to things that you maybe wouldn't have considered, right? Um, it goes kind of deeper into these different areas and, and yeah, I think it is for that reason a very interesting book. I personally not a huge fan of the paper straws and the freaking paper bags you get at, at, at the grocery store nowadays and they rip everywhere. Nevertheless, a book here by Bill Gates, like I said, I took it with a grain of salt because I know this guy has a, an incentive. As with anybody that writes a book, they have an incentive for what they're talking about and how they frame things. But nevertheless, I definitely learned a lot more about you know, the climate disaster than I had before, before reading this book. But uh, yeah, guys, that's my list right here. I hope that gave some good suggestions kind of across the board all types of different books. Novels, uh, more factual books, biographies, that weird one at the bottom, Why Fish Don't Exist. I don't even, again, know how to categorize that book. But uh, yeah, hopefully a nice little scatter of books for you guys. And uh, I would just say, you know, I'm always looking for suggestions, always for the next good book to read. And I just end up buying books. I buy books just because I get excited about them. Like if I see a good book at the store, I'll just buy it and just put it kind of in the backlog. So even though I have like right now probably three or four books that I am set to read, I'm always open to suggestions. If you guys have a good one that you're like, oh, this is just like one of the best books that, that impacted me or you know changed me, yeah, please do leave it down below because I'm very curious. And I'm sure others who have made it this far in the video who are interested in reading and interested in this, they would appreciate that as well. So do take a moment and leave that down in the comment section below. Uh, if you guys enjoyed, please do give this video a big thumbs up. Let me know down in the comment section below. Make sure you're subscribed. Of course, as always, uh, Check out the Investing Academy. If you guys are looking for, um, you know, training in the stock market, you want to learn, you want to be part of our community. We finally restocked, uh, you know, our shirts of clothing. We got a whole room over there dedicated to our shipping stuff. But uh, we got the new logos in, which are pretty cool and awesome. So I don't think I'm wearing it today, but yeah, we got the new updated photos, uh, shirts with uh, logos. Excuse me. If you become a student, obviously you get a little bit of merch. Uh, we want you to be, want you to be rep. We want you to be proud to be an Academy member. So uh, that is that first link down below. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you in the next video.